Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, is debuting worldwide on February 17th, 2023. So we thought we'll do a little review of the movie that started all for this character, Ant-Man, that came out in 2015. Welcome back to the Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Don. Where we give you a review at least once a week. Spoilers. I just finished re-watching Ant-Man uh, today. Did you re-watch it? I did. Right off the bat. Does it hold up to you? I'm going to say yes. And it's always funny to me when I think back about it because I knew a lot of people that weren't fans of Ant-Man. But mm-hmm. like to me, I, I, I it's one of the little gems in the Marvel lineup. Um, right. But uh, overall, holds up. Because like I could watch right. this. It's been eight years, like you said, a better part of a decade. And it feels mm-hmm. like if I was watching it like... Maybe, if not this year, like a couple of years ago. Nothing right. seems out of place. I was one also that liked this movie a lot. I know like when it first came out, bad reviews, advertising for it wasn't big in the sense of like advertising like the other more movies they had before. Ant-Man in the comics is one of the original founders of the Avengers with Hank Pym. Here we have Hank Pym, but the one wearing the mantle is Scott Lang. Yeah. I don't remember in the comics, I know he was a criminal, but I don't know how bad he was. Here, he wasn't a bad guy. He used to did a bad thing. He was being political. He was arrested and served time because he was calling people out for the bad things they did or the lying and stealing and corruption they had. So he... I mean, it's it's not Brought far the off. F- uh, uh, sorry, cutting you off. It's not far no. off from the comic in the sense, like, because if I remember correctly, you're right. He was a criminal. He was mm-hmm. a thief, but he wasn't recruited by Hank Pym. Uh, that that was the difference. Like, it, he like mm-hmm. actually stole the suit. I think he stole the suit to help protect his daughter. Like, a deal went bad. His daughter was in uh, like uh, in trouble, so he uh, stole the suit. Or I might be mixing some stories. And mm-hmm. that caught Hank Pym's attention. And then Hank Pym researched him, saw that he was also a smart guy. And then, you know, that led to the whole thing. This movie is almost two hours long. It does its own thing. Since Ant-Man is new in the MCU, they do a, a backstory a, or, or an origin story. But what I like about this, seeing it again, is it kind of goes into the Iron Man way of doing things in a sense of pace. It's like really fast. So there are some slow moments that need some, some stuff to, for us as the viewers to digest, to comprehend some stuff. But for the most part, overall, it has a really good pace. I agree. Yeah. Um, you see him, like he, he gets the suit. He goes for the training, just like Tony Stark did with him, like where he got his suit, goes for the training, trying to find out um, some development of the Mach 2. And, Things of nature, and then he does the good deed. Yeah, where he like again, Scott Lang was always doing the good deed, but he went through the wrong way about it and certain things. And again, when when he meets Hank Pym, he's in desperate times. He he just got fired from his Baskin Robin job because he was found. They found out that he was a criminal, and which I find it really bad. Like I think it's a bum rap when you have people who serve their time and do good, and they're show that they're rehabilitated, if you will, or learn from the ways that they can't blend back into society because they always had that stigma of being a criminal. 
or yeah. being a, a felon. Which they, so, they tie that into like this one and the sequel, which we'll talk about later. It's brief, but it's very well like how that is is a stigma, but it's it's a real thing that happens. In my opinion, certain felons like okay, if a person who was found guilty of pedophilia, then don't hire him as a school teacher or that works around with kids. If you deal with someone that was in a criminal of um, some kind of bank involvement, don't rehire him in a bank setting. That's what I'm saying. But if you're doing yeah. something that's totally different, why not? But then that's my opinion. It also leads like into, uh, sorry, it also leads into no. like they have sprinkle of humor. And oh, that yeah. was one of the jokes that was, it was somewhat running uh, where they go like, Baskin Robin always finds out. Right. Uh, that's which led by the the manager of the store. Mm-hmm. I liked how the movie started with Hank Pym as a period, you know, back in the day, I think 1989, with Hank Pym, Howard Stark, mm-hmm. um, Peggy, and this other guy that later gets punched in the face by Hank. It goes to in the sense of back to finding the answer to the super soldier serum. Yeah. Steve Reeves, Steve Reeves. Um, that's the, uh, I mean, uh, the super soldier serum is like the, what was it like the MacGuffin? What's the, th- uh, the plot point of every story? Like, uh, there's a term for that. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, but Steve Rod- I'm sorry, Steve Rogers. Like, I don't Steve like Rogers. Him another. Yeah. Cat. But no, I'm just saying we had that with, um, incredible Hawk with mm-hmm. Ed Norton. We had that with, well, Iron Man's another derivative in that sense. Well, it was, even though it was by accident, but the military wanted it in Iron Man two. Mm-hmm. Even well, that's what I'm saying. Even in the comics, that's the constant. Like most superheroes are some form or derivative inspired or created because either a they were inspired by the whole Captain America thing, or they were trying to duplicate the Captain America thing. They, like the Sentry, uh, you mentioned, uh, like in the comics, or if Captain America uh, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, the show, the the whole. Uh, group that got the serum that was because they were trying to duplicate the 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 captain america uh formula um so like 90 percent of the superheroes in comics and mm-hmm. in the mcu are basically copies knockoff copies of captain america when you think about it black widow she was mm-hmm. de- uh, her program was developed to counteract the the captain america uh, mm-hmm. as well as Red Guardian, her you know, mm-hmm. you all father. definitely Red Guardian, exactly. What, what, the who, pseudo captain, uh, pseudo father, uh, right? But so, yeah, yeah, uh, that's exactly. I'm just agreeing with you in the long term, mm-hmm. <laughs> long explanation, Jeez. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what's cool about it, and you see that that his par- uh, pin particles were messed with and stuff like that, so he retires, blah blah blah. But anyway, but I like that. It set a tone, it set a premise. It's like you get you get a feel in the right in the beginning of what's happening in the sense of who this character is of Hank Pym that we us as fans know who he is. So we oh we gotta we got who this is. So now we know that the main star is not Hank Pym, but will be Scott Lang, the one who takes the mantle after him. Like you said, yeah, the, the comedy is good. You have a nice balance, in my opinion, a nice balance of drama comedy and you also have drive yeah because you have um scott lang who is trying to 
go on the straight and narrow, but also try to be a good father figure to his daughter, Casey, mm-hmm. who later we find out or come to find out, especially in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, she's going to be stature. Is it stature? Yeah, it's the one that grows to, yeah. Anyway, she, and she's part of the Young Avengers, which is also what we've seen in other movies or MCU shows. Yeah, well, it's going to be another, I think they're developing or leading to a Young Avengers show or film itself. Yeah, that's the rumor. Here also, it's not just about the main character or the main, I guess, two or three with Hank, Scott, and I can't remember the girl's name right now. Um, Hope. Hope, thank you. Yes, Hope. Because in the comics, Janet was the wasp. Yes. She was the she was the main one, Janet Van Dyne. But here, she's gone. In this film, she died. And Hope does become the wasp, but it is implied in the end credit scene. In one of them. There's two end credit scenes, and this is one of them. Technically, in this film, she is not the wasp. Like, right. like you said, like in the end credit scene, it's implied that she will become the wasp. It's the side characters that also make this movie. Oh, gems. Uh, Oh, they're they're awesome. As Michael Douglas' character, or Hank Pym says, the the Wombats. (laughs) Michael Pena as Lewis, which is a great character. Great character. He's done, and Michael Pena knocked that out of part with him, and I believe. Then you have T.I., you know, the Mm -hmm. rapper T.I. in there. Small part, but did great. And then you have, as you know, I get bothered by when actors are recycled. And this guy has been recycled and recycled and recycled and recycled. Hey, he's like one of the biggest runners. But you got to admit, his they, character is fantastic. Yeah. David, oh, I can't say his freaking last name. Dasmal Chalan. I, I am sorry for killing your last name. But he is in. He was like in he's the in, Flash. Well, he, yes, he's in The Flash, the television yeah. show. He's Suicide in Squad. The Suicide Squad as the Polka Dot Man. He's also in what The if? Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, but that's a voice. And sometimes, well, he's, he was reprising the role of, of Kurt, the that's Russian. That's true. That's true. But so voiceovers, like that, a lot of times, they don't use the same people. That's true, too. But I'm saying, he, this is one guy who's been like, I mean, if he's a geek nerd, I mean, he's been living his dream life. Of playing all these characters going back and forth in the Marvel and DCU. He's probably been in The Boys. He, I'm not going to check, but he's probably in that or he's probably in whatever, you know. So this guy has been all over the place. Again, my problem is that I, I want to see different actors, you know, the opportunity to play different parts, not the same actor playing multiple parts. I've just, that's just me. Not to take away, away from his talent, but. I just like to see, but I just think him again, him again. I was like, geez. Oh, and then I also like the fact that we have a Lex Luthor in this movie. <laughs> in, more, on, in, more, in, in more ways than one. You have uh, Corey Stoll playing Darren Cross, a.k.a. the Yellow Jacket, which was a character portrayed by Hank Pym in the comics. Yeah, I think there was comics, another character that was the Yellow Jacket in the comics too, but original... Well, but was Hank Pym. Right. In, in the comics, Hank Pym went through so many yeah, he personalities, did, if you will. He didn't have a person. He didn't have like multiple personalities. Um, no. But, like, but he had... Bipolar is not the proper term. I know there's a better term for it. But right. damn well, he was like, that's the closest term I can get. He, like, he, he would have like these emotional mood swings 
and well, emotional uh, mental swings. Well, yeah, there's a there's an issue or a story arc in the comics where he uh, domestic abuse, domestic violence. Yeah, he hit where he hit. Yeah, where he hit, he hit uh, Janet. Janet. And it was right, but I want to argue. talk about here. What I'm oh, talking sorry. about here is is the personalities of superheroes. So he was Ant Man. He was Yellow Jacket. He was also Goliath. Goliath in here. So the the tall stature, and we get that also in the sequel Ant Man and the Wasp, where Goliath, uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne, or this the uh, alter ego, call back to that Goliath thing, and then you have uh, Scott Lang do that in. Captain America Civil War, and also in Ant-Man and the Wasp, too, where he gets really big. But anyway, in here, you have that callback to Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man and all this stuff, where if, if you didn't know, you know, you think, oh, that's Yellow Jacket's the bad guy. But no, it's not the bad guy. It's just another, which I thought was smart, how you can get all those Easter eggs. And there's plenty of Easter eggs in this movie as well, but you get that here. Also, oh, I want to say one of the actors, because it was good about watching a movie that you haven't seen in a while, that you see actors that maybe have small parts or were in it and you don't remember. And you have here, I think his name was Frank. His character's name was Frank. And he's the father in Stranger Things, the father with the glasses, the one that's like Elle's boyfriend's father. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's Frank yeah. uh, in Ant-Man. He gets, he gets um, the bathroom goo. The bathroom goo, right. And I was like, oh, damn. So that's what's kind of cool watching these old films. Well, not not old, but older films. You see where actors are getting their small breaks, if you will. Mm. Now, is there a moment in this one that you liked a lot? Here's the funny thing about watching this. Like, Ant-Man, being an MCU property, not really heavy on the action. So some of the best moments for me are not really action based. I mean, like all the okay. action was really, uh, to be honest, was all at the end, right? Right. Right. Um, so those parts are kind of cool. But uh, I want to say, Louise, when he first does the recap to Scott, and he's like uh, giving him like the flashback and telling him how I, he right. got this plan to ro- uh, and- to rob Hank Pym, and like right. how he got this idea. That was. Brilliant. And they redid it for the credits. But I mean, right. it was the first time watching it and just watching it again. You're like, it's almost awe inspiring to see someone go through a verbal, a verbal barrage of telling you a story. And I would never be able to re- retell that just the way he did. I feel like he would have mm-hmm. to be like looking at it. What I like about though that scene or scenes that that he's retelling, that you see the characters that he's referring to, and they're talking the same mannerism or same way, same cadence as he's telling it. Yes, kind of like know, um, the, uh, um, that show, uh, History of the World. Um, not History of the World. The one that the the Comedy Central show that they used to have, where they with a celebrity oh, would drunk be drunk in history, drunk in history. history, and they would do it. Yeah. They'll get the audio and then they'll act it out. It felt mm-hmm. like that. This movie is the first heist movie in the MCU. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what they're going for. They're going for an object a couple of times, right? They have to go in and get the costume or get the, the, yeah, the, first the money or whatever in the vault. And then step. they have to do the, I'm talking here. And then <laughs> they're doing, have to get the, the yellow jacket 
out before uh, bad boy Lex Luthor has to get it or takes advantage of it. So, I mean, that was really good. And I also thought it was cool because you have Easter eggs calling back to Iron Man because mm-hmm. you have representatives of the, the rings, the 10 rings, excuse me. So you have that there. And, and also Hydra is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was kind of weird. It's like, oh, he's Hydra. I was like, but wait a minute, he's Hydra, but he's also representative of the rings because I thought they were pointing to the same person. No. And the guy had the guy has a tattoo, like you can see the rings, uh, almost over the collar on his neck. No, that's the Hydra tattoo. Because remember, the Hydra tattoo almost looks like rings because of the tentacles. I thought it was the same person. I thought guy was like being like a double agent. I mean, they could have. I mean, technically, the the whole issue about the ten rings was that they infiltrated multiple organizations, just the same. But that yeah. felt really convoluted then. I would say uh, you're not wrong. They were in, involving a lot of different things because they involved like the Avengers. The storyline had to do was before Winter Soldier. I oh yes, that's why. Yes, you're right. Because no, well, after it could, after Winter it could be, Soldier. Well, you can say that this has taken place was, along the timeline of Civil War. Uh, just before Civil War, it was. So it was in between Winter Soldier and Civil War because the end credit scene leads into Civil War. Uh, Not really. Not really. Because remember that in Civil War, they capture Bucky. They lock the, they have his arm. Yeah. Right? That happens in the middle of Civil War. It doesn't happen in the beginning. It happens in the middle. So all the events that's happened led up to that. And you see that, see, I know, I, I know a guy. Right, I know a guy. That's what Sam says to Steve. And then the first end credit, we see him asking the journalist, "I'm looking for someone who can shrink." Okay, so like that. So it's like right in between that time frame where Sam is not there. Maybe the um, when they both collided in the sense where um, Scott infiltrated the Avengers uh, base. Maybe that happened before Civil War. That's where it's kind of cool to see that. Time reference, time frame, or timeline reference, right there, because right there is not a whole different time frame. And they also do that with Ant Man and the Wasp, in the sense of the blip. You're getting ahead of yourself. We haven't. I know. We're focusing know, on the first movie. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying because they, they, they heavy they, spoilers. What Ant Man does, and the second one does, is that it, it shows you where they. T- well, it tells us where they're at in the timeline more specifically. Yeah. Where other ones are kind of like. They either like hint the, at it or they say something real quick, references like that. You're not really sure. You have to do some research. You got to look at a newspaper that's like as, there, yeah. as a character's walking by or a news thing. But right here, you know what's going on, which was I thought was smart. It's like it's in your face, but not like smashed or slammed into your face. True. But for me, what I liked was, I mean, there's a lot of great scenes. A lot of them is from with, with Luis when he's yes. you know, talking and I mean. That's not, and when he's when he fights the guards at the end, like he's, he's trying to hide or blend in. But he, anyway, I like that. But the one with him, uh, Ant Man and the Yellow Jacket are fighting. Yeah, a lot of great moments, a lot of action, great action, but also a lot of comical moments as well. Mm-hmm. Especially when uh, they're at the daughter's house and the, the I don't know that train. I know it's a, fa- a popular train uh, series. Thomas the Tank Engine. Thank you. Well, that one where you see the train just 
from a distance fall off tracks, but you don't know unless you're up close that is because he hit, it ran into the yellow jacket, but also in the helicopter and the chopper where they're trying to fight each other, trying to, I guess, uh, yes, trying to stop the yellow jacket from escaping, what have you. And there's like everything's all on big scale. And there's music playing from the when I think Scott Lang says something and then Siri hears him and she starts playing The Cure. I think it's The Cure. Probably. I can't remember. Some music played on it. Anyway, no, I like that scene. But for the most part, I mean, it's the side characters do it for me. It's uh, Luis, it's Dave, it's Kurt. That's the three stooges, if you will, of MCU. I would say the strongest part is the chemistry between the actors. And yes. like, and so like the, the, the wombats are three stooges as you would, they had great chemistry amongst each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the, even, um, Michael Douglas with, um, hope. No. Why am I forgetting his name now? Scott Lang. Um, Oh, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd. Those two, uh, had great chemistry. I think they got along no, very well, well, like how they interacted with each other. Well, but, I had to say with, with like Paul Rudd was being Paul Rudd. Which he's in good my at. Opinion. That's no, it's great, you know. And like Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man was pretty much playing himself in a way that's very confident, very uh, comfortable in that role. And you see here, Paul Rudd being very comfortable in his role. You've seen him play somewhat like the snarky with the sly jokes coming in. You know, through you've seen him in multiple roles yeah. or multiple films. So it wasn't like a far reach for him. But it worked with it worked for it because you have a guy who's thrown into a world he has no business being in. True, but then he does. You know, he excels in it. I don't. I'm going to see right now. Rotten Tomatoes. Let's see how much you want to bet. It got lower scores than we thought. Well, I mean, on IMDb is ranked seven point three out of ten. On a meta score is sixty four. Rotten Tomatoes. The critic review is 83%. The audience score is 85%, which actually is not bad. Yeah, it's pretty close. But that's of today, meaning back then in 2015, I highly doubt that it was this rank. I think it was a lot lower. Yeah. I think it grew up. Those ratings went up since then. Right. Because I think, well, because in time... You know, people looking at it over and over again, it got better and better. I think this also came around the same time or they were apprehensive because Ant-Man, even though he was originally the the founders of the Avengers, he was not really a known character in the, in the Marvel comics. He didn't have a solo issues like Iron Man or Captain America, Spider-Man, True. the Hulk. You know, pretty much every Avenger or founding Avengers pretty much had their own solo series uh, minus Hawkeye and Black Widow. Black Widow was with Daredevil before the Avengers, I believe. But anyway, he was not a well-known or well-established character uh, pop culture wise. Right. Yes. So I think people are like, "Eh." but as time goes on and then people have seen it and they're like, you know what? This is really a good movie. And it is a really good movie. Yeah. I, I, I'm with the score. I'm with, I'm with the eighties. I will give it easy between 85 to 90, probably 90 in my opinion. I, you know what? And I'll, and I'll be right there too. And 
this is one of those movies that um, because everybody talks about, oh, Marvel has a formula. Marvel sticks to the formula, which nothing wrong. They, they do well with their formula of how to produce a movie. But this movie diverged from that formula. We we had a uh, oh, we did have a uh, like climactic battle scene at the end with the big bad. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of CGI in it, but it was like we could follow it. It wasn't something we couldn't follow for the most part. Right. It was focused more on the heist storyline than it was on the, you know, we have a big bad we need to fight in mm-hmm. battle. It, the, the big mm-hmm. bad battle came as a byproduct of a heist that went bad. Correct. And talking about the CGI, in comparison to Black Panther in the final scene, <laughs> that was heavy CGI and it was noticeable. Here was heavy CGI, but it was not noticeable in my opinion. True. It didn't look stiff. It you didn't could, look. You could see them. Right. But the movements were fluid. The movements were smooth and it wasn't over the top, even though it could have been. True. And it would have been all right if it was because of that world that they were, we were introduced here in, in the Ant-Man movie. But I have to say also, Yellow Jacket's death scene is pretty up there on grotesque oh yeah his joints his bones breaking and he's just shrinking into a ball it kind of remind me of even though this came out before but it kind of remind me of infinity war where that that monster is in uh where they're trying to peter dr strange and not the, not the not the monster it was the, the 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 character that could teleport stuff Oh, he got ejected into space. Yeah, I know. Right, but the way like uh, he got suctioned through, but also the obsidian. Right, but also in the Aliens movie, is it Aliens? Alien Four. Aliens, Alien Four. Thank you. Where the same thing, right? Where the, the aliens getting sucked through, and it's just like, yeah. and it's getting smaller and smaller to fit through that hole to go into space. So that's a horror movement or horror moment. Excuse me. I mean, because you don't see any blood or anything like that, it, it's passable. But knowing right. and hearing and letting your imagination run with it, it is a horrifying moment. Moment. Yeah. Um, it, it, that makes me think. Yellow Jacket's character throughout the entire battle, uh, which there was like a moment of a gap between the fights, mm-hmm. uh, he got pretty much worked over a lot. Like he got tossed, he, you know, like he fell out from the helicopter, granted, so does Scott. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. uh, he got tossed into the bug zapper. And not only was <laughs> yeah. tossed into a bug zapper, you could see like he was stuck there, and then yeah. he was being electrocuted, like and you alive. could tell yeah, alive. So to come back res- resurrected. But understand this too: he doesn't have any experience. Oh no, he yeah. Put on the he had just he just put on the costume and went for it. Where where Scott had some experience. So for him in the real world, if you will, he did great considering he just. Learn how to adapt to the shrinking and the growing, all the stuff, and using oh, the co- the, the yeah, costume. No, I mean, that's a perfect call out for that one scene with the train. Uh, so, like when the mm-hmm. the railroad train, he's not mm-hmm. perceiving the difference of his abilities and size, like how Scotts can lift the blocks and toss them like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and the first time he's on the track, he sees the Thomas tank engine running at him. He's like. Uh, right, like he takes right, that pose right. and it, you just see the tank just like toss over him. And mm-hmm. that's when he starts to realize he's like, oh, I can lift these things and toss these things like they're nothing. And like, mm-hmm. so he's learning as he's fighting. Yes. Is he getting worked over? 
horribly so. <laughs> He's definitely learning. So like, the movie did have a lot of great small moments that build up to be a greater moment. That the, mm-hmm. the overall fight scenes that happened at the end, I think were that. Like there were smaller moments in the fights that just built up. Yeah, it, it leads up. It wasn't like like you said, not that much action. It led up to it and it's showing that the action supported the story. It wasn't just action for the sake of action. Yeah. Like we like we've gotten from other movies like Thor or um even Captain America or stuff like that, where it's just let's just have action just because Yeah. Um, yeah. I totally agree. So I mean yeah, I think this is, and I say it again, I'll say it again, I think this is a good movie. This is definitely worth to own and put in your Marvel um, MCU library. Mm-hmm. Even though we are going to review Ant-Man and the Wasp, I kind of like Ant-Man and the Wasp a little bit better <laughs> in certain aspects. But as a origin movie, this is awesome. I agree. Okay, guys, have you seen Ant-Man? Do this hold up to you or do you think it's past its time? Or do you think it's passes due? Let us know in the comments. Now, also, if you have a movie for us to review, please email us at talesoftwobros at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you, bro.